All right, and the last thing I want to share with you, um, we have been invited uh, to do a couple of things over the next few weeks. One um, our is, a 20, is 21 Days of Prayer. Maybe you saw if you are receiving our email blast. And if you're interested in that, and Kidmo, you can go, by the way. Yeah, they're thinking, I don't like this new pattern. I don't like this at all. Um, several churches are coming together in our community, and this 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting happens around the world, around this time of year. Uh, as we begin into a new season, into a new year, it's an opportunity to spend some time reflecting, considering what does God have for us in this new year. And uh, and so we have a group of churches that are doing this in Chattanooga this year. Uh, and so there is a website you can go to to learn more about it. Um, there's also a prayer guide that you can download. Um, it's at 21daysofprayer.church. And you are welcome to begin with us. Uh, there are some elements we can do together as a body, um, but it is in, in great part something you can do on your own time. Um, we're starting with several other churches in Chattanooga this Wednesday. So if you go to 21 Days of Prayer, it's also listed on our website. If you scroll down on the homepage to the events, you'll see 21 Days of Prayer, and you can download a prayer guide and can tr- continue along with that. Now, there are three worship events that are going to go uh, and that are going to coincide with that on Wednesday nights. Um, and if you would like to participate in those, you are welcome. I'm going to invite us um, to one of those, and that is going to be at Red Bank Cumberland Presbyterian Church, which is right around the corner for us, which will be on Wednesday, January 18th. Um, the other two, if you would like to participate in those, you can. I know we've got several other things happening on Wednesday nights. Youth will be kicking off again this Wednesday. Baymont will be kicking off again this Wednesday. Um, but it's an opportunity for us to come together. Uh, Red Bank Cumberland Presbyterian Church has, would like to begin doing some ministry efforts with us. Uh, and one of those in, that you'll hear more about is a Super Sunday um, event, which historically was done, I think, by either World Vision or Samaritan's Purse, uh, where we come together on Super Bowl Sunday and we bring some canned goods in order to give to those who are in need. Um, and so we'll hear more about that, but it's an opportunity in February for us to do a combined missions event with them um, and then possibly do some um, further ministry efforts together in the future. You'll hear more about that, but I would encourage you to join us for 21 Days of Prayer, download the prayer guide, follow along. And if you'd like to fast during this, this is a wonderful time to fast. Fasting creates space for God to speak to us. Fasting also often takes us to places we don't necessarily want to go, places where we feel uncomfortable and vulnerable. Uh, We're hungry and our schedules are messed up. Um, It is often in those places of fasting that we more clearly see God, we more clearly see ourselves. So if you would like to participate in that, we would enjoy you doing that as well. All right? That's it. That's all I have for those for today. Um, The reason we're doing the way, and we're going to be doing this for the next three months, is because as a church, as we consider what it looks like to move forward in 2023 and 2025, I mean, this is it. This is what it's about. It is the way of Jesus. It's depending on your upbringing, depending on your experience with Christ, your experience with the gospel, and your experience with the church, 
Uh, you may view the church as a series of activities or events, Bible studies, prayer, worship service, things you go to, things you contribute towards. When there's a volunteer need, you may volunteer towards. Uh, and it's a place where we come and do Bible studies, and it's a place where we come and sing, or if we like to sing, we can lead in singing or whatever. But that is not how Jesus talked about the church. The church is not about a series of programs, events, or activities. And for me, it often feels like we fall into a pattern of just doing those things. And just like anything in your life that you love, if it becomes just a block on your schedule, then it will begin to lose purpose, you'll begin to lose passion for it, and it will just be that thing you're supposed to do, but not the thing that gives you life or propels you in your faith or your development in your own discipleship. So we're going to spend these next few weeks not talking about programs, not talking about activities, and not talking about strategies, but what does it look like to follow the way of Jesus? And I will just tell you right now, there are going to be some things you're going to get super excited about, and there are going to be some things we talk about that you're not going to be excited at all about. Because Jesus not only talked about following him in in terms of blessing and eternal life, and the the promises of God. He also talks about the way in terms of take up your cross, (laughs) die to yourself, love others like you love yourself. And um, it's easy to let those things roll off our tongues because that's what we're supposed to believe. But when it comes right down to denying self, that is a very difficult um, discipline to learn in your own discipleship. And yet it is one of the most crucial aspects of following Jesus. So um, I'm super excited about these next few weeks. Um, I'm, I think it's going to fuel some of our conversations. I think it's going to fuel uh, some of where we go. And in your own life, um, if you take this year as a new beginning, I, I just would encourage you to refocus on what does it look like to follow the way of Jesus today and every day within your life. One of the things that Deidre and I have committed to, I don't do the... the um, New Year's resolutions because I break them within about three weeks. Um, But one of the things we've committed to and in part has been through our study of Bema is um, we are committing to a more um, planned time of Sabbath and rest and just allowing uh, God to to do something within us, but also us letting go of some of the cares of the world so that we can more focus on the things that matter, on resting and being grateful um, and that life is good. And the world is good, and God is good, and people are good. And uh, so we're going to be committing towards that um, in different ways. I don't know what it looks like for you, but it all falls in the bounds of following the way. One of the ways that Jesus begins talking about this, in addition to what Scott read earlier, not just the fact that he is the way, is that there is a way. We've talked in the past, especially um, we spent some time talking about through our rhythm series, this idea of the dust of the rabbi. Do you remember the dust of the rabbi? Who remembers the dust of the rabbi? All right, a few people do. The dust of the rabbi is a phrase that began to be used talking about a disciple's relationship with their teacher. And in ancient Near Eastern um, teaching of your children as they grew up, Um, One of the things Jesus did not call us to explicitly was Bible study. Yet everything he did was study Scripture. And when we read some of these Old Testament and New Testament passages, and we think, "Well, well, Jesus never really addressed that, 
so we don't have to do it. One of the reasons Jesus didn't really address Bible study was because it wasn't something that had to be addressed. Everyone did it. It was just a way of life. By the time you were 10 years old, um, you would have memorized the first five books of the Old Testament called the Torah. Now, if at the end of that period, you were of the best of your peers, like you memorized and you understood and you got it, a, a very select few would then be invited to continue their education, which would be to memorize the rest of the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. And depending on how well you did, if you if you were selected for that next step, kind of like you get your college degree, but now are you going to be selected for your master's? If you didn't get selected to go on, then you would learn a trade, often from your father, and you would go on and fulfill that trade. But those who went on to learn Genesis through Malachi, if you made it to that point, and you again showed great promise in knowing, handling, utilizing Scripture, you would then be asked, a very select few, a that select few, would then be asked if they would like to continue as the disciple of the rabbi. And the rabbi would come to them one one by one and say something like this, come follow me. Now the only people that would receive this invitation would be the very best of the best. I would not have been one of those. I don't know how y'all did in school. I did all right. I got through. I, I was not a great student. So I would hope by 10 I would have memorized the first five books. I fear I might not have and if they asked me to go on and continue for the rest, I'd be like, I just, I just want to go hammer a nail somewhere. I, there's no way my, my head can hold all that information. But um, if you were the best of the best, you would be invited. Uh, interestingly, as Jesus comes in, we see this incredible invitation to people who never made that cut. And what they would say if you were to be chosen for this best of the best to be a disciple of the rabbi, that you would eventually become a rabbi yourself, is they would say, may you uh, carry the dust of the rabbi all over you. In other words, may you walk so closely with your teacher that the dust that their feet kick uh, kick up behind you, you're walking so close to them that you're covered in it. That we would become like our teacher's. And in this type of environment where the best of the best are chosen, we have this really interesting exchange. Um, well, and, and just to follow along with my, um, with my notes, following a rabbi meant that you knew the teachings of your rabbi and you became like him. In Matthew 4, we see Jesus issuing this call to his first disciples that is eventually going to be issued to everyone, including every person who is sitting in this room or is watching online or has ever taken a breath in this world today. This call is still issued. He said, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is in Matthew chapter 4, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, the boat in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus comes to us who were not the best 
of the best and says, there is a way, if you will follow it, come and follow me. Now he adds to that, I will make you fishers of men because this following him involves other people. It is not simply what I decide to do with my life. It is what we decide to do with our lives. This is one of the introductions to what it looks like to follow in this way. Now, if you will do a word study throughout your Bible, you're going to find several passages in the Old and New Testament that are going to use this language. And eventually, Christians are going to be called not... It's going to be later that they're called Christians. They're going to be called a sect of Judaism named the Way. Because of the amount of language that Jesus and the disciples used talking about this way. And as Scott mentioned just a few minutes ago, a way is not just the things that we believe and it's not just the things we do. It is the way in which we live our lives. It is a lifestyle. It is a perspective. It is what we see. It is what we look for. It is the framework in which everything we do in life must pass through. So there's this way, and then there's every other way. And the reality for us in this room is that every one of us are on a way. I don't know what that way is for everyone. And in my own life, there are times that I am absolutely on the way of Jesus. And then there are times, excuse me, I look in the mirror and I realize I'm on a different way. I am not following this way. Sometimes something happens and life just kind of explodes or implodes and you're like, what has happened? What, what am I doing? Do you ever have those moments? One of the most necessary um, abilities to grow in your faith and your life with Christ is the ability to reflect on what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your head, and what you're doing with your actions and your priorities I do not know how you grow spiritually without some level of introspection and reflection. If you just act and you just do and you just go, and kind of the mantra of those who don't want to reflect is, well, this is just how I am. The person who says this is just how I am will never grow. They are stuck and they are telling you, leave me alone. This is all I'm ever going to be. But Jesus does not look at us with those eyes. Nor is that what he's inviting us to when he says, come and follow me. Jesus did say, I am the way. And it's easy for us as Christians to kind of fall into line with this very popular way of understanding the gospel, that the gospel is about a decision that leads to this really wonderful time in heaven when you die. He says, I am the way. And he is the way. He says, I am not just the way, I am the way, the truth, and the the life. He might go on to say, I am eternal life. I am here to show you and help you attain eternal life, which as we've talked about before is not simply life forever, but is a quality of life right here and right now. See, in your marriage, you can have eternal life or you cannot. In your life, when you go to work, you can can have eternal life or you cannot. And a lot of times when we focus on life after death, we miss the life that Jesus was promising us right now. And yet he he says is the way to eternal life is through me, but there's a way to this quality of life. This is really the difference of Christianity and many other religions. Is because a lot of religions and just and even within Christianity, we can make Christianity a religion, or we can make it a way of life. 
those are not always the same thing. But in many religions, there is a list of things you do. You go to church, and you volunteer, and you give, and you do this, and you memorize that, and you have friends with these people, but not these people. And this is the kind of person you marry, and this is not the kind of person you marry. We, we have all kinds of religious ideas, <laughs> which become just this structured framework of what you're supposed to do. But yet you can actually can, you know, conform to that framework, and your heart never change. Jesus is all about the way changing us it changes our hearts which changes our minds which changes the way we view the world which changes how we interact and engage with the world it changes how i interact with my wife it changes how she interacts with me so when we explore this idea that jesus said i am the way it has always been our historical understanding for the last two thousand years that this way is only made possible because of jesus's life death burial and resurrection but if we stop there, that's great, because that's all in the past. doesn't require anything of us. If we stop there, we can miss the way while thinking we're on it, because Jesus is the way. So he'll go on, and he'll talk more about this. Jesus not only said, I am the way, Jesus also said, everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. The whole dust of the rabbi idea. This is Luke chapter 6, <clears throat> beginning of verse 39. He says, he told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both not fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Uh, just stop and let that soak in. I would not say that I am like Jesus in the way that Jesus is talking about here. I, I don't think any of us I, in this room would probably say that. <laughs> like, you know what? I'm just like Jesus reincarnated. You know, that's exactly how it comes out. If you say, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I am not there. But if I continue on this life, if I continue growing and learning, if I continue practicing, I'm going to increasingly become more like Christ, which as I look back on my life today, I am more like Christ than I was when I became a believer. But when I became a believer, I've shared my testimony several times, when I became a believer, it was a life-altering moment for me. I have never forgotten. But even then, while I was excited and I was thankful, and this was this, this new perspective and new life and new way of living, and I was fully fully welcomed by God, uh, I was so excited about that time, I had no idea what I was doing. And I grew up in the church. Today, 35 years later, I understand a lot more, and I think I'm a lot more like Jesus. Now, if we, I'm not going to put a scale up. But if I've got, you know, like heathen, Jesus, I really don't want to know where I am on that scale. I don't know about you. I don't really want Jesus to say, well, Mark, you know, you think you're over here, but mm, not, not really. He does say, when you're fully trained, you will become like him. Which is interesting that the next passage, we're much, or the next part of this passage, we're much more familiar than what he just said. Because right after he says, it's back to verse 40, he says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. He's absolutely talking about, in part, the ways in which we follow and we lead. Because the people that Jesus was the harshest on were those in a position of leadership whose hearts had never fully embraced what all of this was about. And yet they were in charge of enforcing the religious aspects of the Jewish faith. It's interesting that those are right next to each other. As you embark on this new year, I want you to know that what Jesus intends for you is to become like him. He intends for you to not just grow in your knowledge, but grow in your practice. As a church, he does not expect us just to continue existing. He expects us to follow in the way and lead others to do the same. There's no reason to continue a number of activities unless that is the thing behind everything that we do. And that is why I'm suggesting that in the next year to 10 years, we have to think about things differently. The way is the same. How we practice the way has always changed as our environment and as our culture changed. But what he's calling us to has never changed. As we explore that, my desire is that we would become more like our teacher. Disciples are followers... And you have been invited to be a disciple. One of the struggles that we have, and we've talked about the, the, the struggles of a, of a culture and a generation that is turning away from faith, in large part, I think, because we, we often um, enforce the principles of our faith without actually living them out in our own lives. And so we make someone who messes up feel like they're a failure while we ourselves are worse of a greater failure because we know the truth and yet we still don't practice it. It's this idea of hypocrisy. It was a problem then, it's a problem now. It will be a problem in the future. And while we can't do anything about someone else, we can absolutely do something about ourselves. What is it about us that needs to change? What is it about us that needs to recognize, am I a disciple or am I not a disciple? Am I really interested or am I not interested? Does God's Word, does it, does it give me a broader view of life or do I not even care really what God's Word says? The more we follow Jesus, the more we should become like Jesus. And there is a difference between religion and discipleship. My desire for us is that we would embark on a path of discipleship. And while there may be religious aspects to that, my desire is that we would embark on discipleship and not religion. And I think that's what others are looking for too. What others want to know, is this real? Does this actually do anything within our lives? Does this build up better relationships, better friendships? Are we more engaged with each other or less? Do we know what's going on in each other's lives or not? Are we helping where we can help, or are we standing back just taking care of ourselves? The way of a disciple is not easy, but it is fruitful, and it is beautiful. 
And it makes life come alive. This eternal life that he's talking about, it it can't be found accidentally. There's a way. So the very bottom line idea of Christianity is that God is working to bring the world back to the place where he created them before sin corrupted it. There's a way. We, We all fight the realities of sin in our world. We all fight it whether sin's against us or we sin against others. We have, there's reason that we have to forgive other people because we ourselves need forgiveness at times. It is a struggle within this world when things go wrong and relationships break and, so, and God doesn't seem to do the thing we want Him to do or, or, or you know, someone dies that we prayed they would live. A marriage ends that we prayed would continue. We pray for those things and sometimes they don't always work out the way that we think they're going to. There's a way in following Him that brings eternal life it's not always easy. And that's why people many times reject it. One is knowing. Another is knowing and doing. One takes little effort. The other takes a lot of effort. This is what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is what we seek to experience, at times to discover, to find something that makes life more. I mean, this is following. Excuse me, this is sanctification. This is discipleship. And it leads to salvation. And it leads to eternal life. A quality of life for here and forevermore. I would love for us to get within our, our, our way of seeing the world and seeing our faith, this idea of eternal life. There is a way that is good, that leads to something good, and there is a way that leads to destruction. That sounds like Scripture. There is a way to this eternal life. The reality is few are going to walk this path. We have the opportunity to do it. We have the opportunity to walk this path and experience this eternal life. This is why I, I regularly, when I see somebody out and they've not been to church in a long time, it's always awkward. Nobody wants to run into the pastor like when you've been absent for a while. And I'll just let you know, the pastor doesn't want it either. Because, you know, you go and it, then there's a list. Well, you know, and then there's this laundry list of why I haven't been coming to church. What? It's up to you. I mean, it, like I, I'm not losing sleep over it. And, and I don't mean to infer that just by attending church you're experiencing this full life. Intention doesn't bring eternal life. Well, I, well I, what I really want to do is doesn't bring eternal life. It's taking steps. It's committing to a way of life. It's not coming and making sure you're at church. It's coming and being the church together. Because the church was never the church was never described in scriptures as the place. There was a synagogue, there was a temple, but that was not the church. The church was the people. 
So if we commit to this way, this is where eternal life comes from. And you can have it now. And so if you're like, I, I mean, I really intend to start praying, really intend to start seeking God. I really intend to start being a part of a church. I really intend, I really, in, that's okay. And, and God is so gracious and merciful. He's like, well, come on, come on, you're invited. If we don't take the steps, we will not have it. You can go your whole life hoping for heaven and missing what God wanted to do during your whole life. Quality of life. I want us to get eternal. I want, I want the idea of eternal life simply after we die needs to, be, to vanish from our heads. Because all that does is allow us to procrastinate. You can procrastinate all you want, but you will miss eternal life all along the way. Because there is something that happens with us when we're following Jesus. It changes our relationships. It changes our marriage. It changes how we do our jobs. It changes what happens when we wake up in the morning and we look out the window. It changes what we see when we look in the mirror. I mean, maybe not you know, losing weight, but it changes what we see when we look in the mirror. And you can experience that here and now. You can experience that here and now. Paul is talking in Romans 12 about this and conforming. What are we conforming to? There is a way. You are on it. You are conforming to whatever way you are on. He talks about the world and faith. Absolute two ways. I would add a third somewhere in the middle that we would call religion. So we can conform to the world, we can conform to religion, or we can conform to this way of following Jesus. And the other two... Do nothing for you. Religion is part of the world. And, and, and that does require a longer conversation of differentiating between religion and faith because there are religious aspects of our faith. But when religion is it, just these things that we're supposed to do, but our hearts never change and our, our minds never change and what we see in the world and others never changes and we never care for those who are in need or we never look at someone who's being oppressed and say they should be rescued. If we never look through those eyes, do we really, really live by faith or are we just following a religious group of practices? We see someone's hungry and we say, I'll pray for you as we carry our grocery bags to our car. Jesus would say, that is worthless. That is worthless because you could have handed them a bag of groceries. This is the, the path. I also want to be very careful not to marry what I'm calling us to right now to the conversation that we're having as a church as if all of these things are practiced at Journey Church Chattanooga. These things are practiced in your life wherever you are. They're practiced by people that attend other churches. On the day that you don't come to church, you can still practice it. Did you know that? But when we do come together, we practice it together, and there's this beautiful amplification of following together that we'll never fully experience on our own, but we'll never experience that beautiful thing together if we also never do experience it alone. Isn't that incredible? It's dynamic, this faith, this relationship with Christ, this living out the way. It's dynamic. And it's a choice we each can make. Paul's asking the question, what are you being conformed to? The world? Religion? Are you being conformed to becoming like Christ? That is our call, to become like Christ. Yes, you may not be the best 
of the best, just like I am not the best of the best. Maybe some of you in here would have been the best of the best. You have the call. Issued to you and to me. So what do we do with this? Some of the things I want us to talk about together during this time in the next few weeks is what does it look like in our own lives, but what does this look like for us as a church? For you in your own life, you can make a conscious decision to pursue God. And one of the promises of the Holy Spirit is He will direct your path. Which means you don't exactly know, have to know what you're doing to get the result of following Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit, in part, is going to push you in that direction. That's a beautiful promise and a gift from God. You can make that choice to do that now. If you are offering grace to your friends, but not your children, then you are going to have to deal with that reality in your life. If you are offering grace to your buddies and not your spouse, or your girlfriends and not your spouse, there's a way that involves everyone that you're in life with. That does not mean that we give our kids grace for everything they do. <laughs> there's, there's also with time to discipline. Just as there are times God gives me grace, and there are times God does not spare the rod. There's a way for us to go to work and to do work. We can go and do the least amount possible. One of the things that um, is you know, flying through um, social media right now is the idea of resigning. And I'm going to do only what you asked me to do, only what I'm paid to do, and nothing else. I'm out of here the moment I've done it. Well, there's a, there's a part of that that's just good ethics. I mean, there's a part of that that if you're being asked to do more than, and your employer can pay you to do more, then you should be paid for what you do. There have been a lot of lawsuits for a lot of businesses, a lot of retail especially, asking people to do stuff when they're not getting paid for it. I mean, good grief, we could probably do a lot of those lawsuits here um, in the church because we don't get paid for a lot of things we do here. But there's a part of following Jesus that says, I give my all for others. Part of um, some of you are going to be choosing jobs and careers coming up. There's there's this idea that I, my job should be personally fulfilling to me, which is a fairly new idea. Everyone wants their job to be personally fulfilling, but what what constitutes being personally fulfilling has changed over the years. There was a time that personally fulfilling meant I'm contributing to the community, I'm contributing to society. What I do helps others. Josh is building cars. Maybe that's not always personally fulfilling, and yet he provides, he helps, he's one of many that helps provide a vehicle for somebody to get from where they go. He's contributing to society. There's a place of following Jesus that says, I give my all no matter where I'm at. And I give my all because Jesus gave his all for me, which I know is, gosh, such a terrible phrase. We should strike that from our, our, our language. But it's true. He gave his all, we give our all. If someone's taking advantage of you at work, find a new job. But give your all wherever you are. Give your all. There's something that sets apart a, a believer from someone who conforms to the world. There's a different ethic. There's a different way of seeing things. We begin to be more outward focused. We begin to think of group rather than just me as an individual. And if you're a part of a group 
that sees life about the group, that's a beautiful group to be a part of. But if you're in a group that is about the individual, it's a very lonely group to be a part of. This is the way of Jesus. As a church, those things are just as important. How we welcome people when they walk in the door. How we handle someone's hardships, struggles, and heartbreaks. That matters. When someone says, I need help, do we say, I'll pray for you? Or do we go help? These are hard questions for us to ask. When we think about serving, do we think about serving in the, tech, the context of, well, somebody's got to do it, I guess I'll go do it. Or do we think, I have an opportunity to care for the community. One of those is fulfilling, one of those is not. One of those is religion, one of those is faith. I've got something to offer this group, and I get to go serve the group. It's a very different mindset. Not everyone's up for this mindset. But this is also part of the way of Jesus. For us as a church, following the way of Jesus is the point of our church. That's the point of us being together. We're figuring it out. We're making mistakes. Sometimes we do it well, and sometimes we don't. But that is the way of the point of our church. Following the way of, the, of Jesus is the reason we serve. It's why we seek to grow. It's why we want to help our community. It's why discipling is important. It's why giving is important. Everything we do, it's, it's why those are important. We are trying to follow the way of Jesus. And as we pray about our future as a church, we have to be concerned with following the way of Jesus and helping others do the same. That has to be the underlying foundation of every conversation we have moving forward. We may decide that we don't need to do worship services anymore, which I, we're not going to decide that. Worship has been something people have gathered together to do for thousands of years before and after Jesus. But maybe we do it differently or a different schedule or a different frequency. Or maybe we continue to do it just as we're doing it. Same with discipleship, youth, children's ministries, ladies' ministry, men's ministry, hospitality, everything. That's all up for a conversation. But the very foundation of what we do has to be that we're following the way of Jesus. Now, where are we going in the next few weeks? Um, we're going to go through a number of topics. And uh, those are going to include worship, um, which is we're going to talk about next week, which uh, worship is not just about singing. Worship is about remembering what God has done, not just what God did 2,000 years ago, what God did morning or yesterday or my entire life. Gratitude is a part of worship. Worship is meant to bring us to a moment of gratitude. If you do not stop and regularly thank God for good things in your life, you will begin to believe that good things are not happening in your life. Gratitude is a part of worship, and gratitude reminds us that the world is good and God is good. And life is good, and God is still doing good things. Gratitude reminds us to look up. We're going to be talking about self-denial and what does it mean to be a part of a generous fellowship of people. We're going to be talking about confronting sin, another uncomfortable topic, and how do we live in this fullness of Christ, because that's what confronting sin should do, is propel you into the fullness of Christ. We're going to talk about discipleship, devotion, spiritual maturity, formation. Also mercy. How God works in our lives through merciful intervention. 
we're going to talk about what it looks like to abide in Christ, prayer, and also seeking justice in our world because you cannot read Jesus without recognizing that justice was a part of Jesus' foundational calling. We're going to have to do some work on that word justice because it's got a whole different meanings in different places depending on who you ask. We're going to have to look at what does this mean for Christ and for God, this idea of justice. We're going to be talking about seeing the plight of others, caring about the struggles of others, and acting whenever we can. <laughs> Excuse me, when we can. We're going to be talking about um, engaging the world and engaging each other through ministry and service and evangelism and mission. We're also going to revisit the idea of perseverance or resilience because that's still something that each of us need to be a part of. Some of these things you may get excited about. Some of these things you may want to know, what week is that? Because I won't be here that week. (laughs) Following Jesus is not meant to be easy. Where we pick up our cross and we follow. But once we do, what's interesting once you pick up your cross and follow is the life, that eternal life that is available to you at the end of that choice. Or yeah, I'm picking up a cross, but oh my, it is worth it. This life is worth it. This knowing God is worth it. This walking with Him is worth it. This interaction and engaging with God in the world as He intended it to be is worth it. I'll I'll carry any cross. The disciples felt like it was worth it, so they carried their own. Let us not just do church, but be the church by following the way of Jesus. Pray with me.